foundry. The foundry exists to refine the body of Christ through equipping church members with practical resources to become replicating followers of Jesus. And today, we have a special guest with us. Pastor Matt Funk of Aspen Grove in Parker, Colorado is actually in town. He's one of our church planting partners. We're glad to have him with us to be able to record a quick podcast. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. It's, it's good to be in the room. Good to be in Covington. Yeah, we're glad. We're glad that you're back. So, Matt, what we've kind of been doing with our podcast, at least over this first few episodes with our pastors, is just getting to know them more, having our members know a little bit more on the inside of their lives and their stories. So, can you share with us really your story, your family, how you came to faith, your call to ministry, things of that nature? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you the try to give you the brief history without going too deep. Um, I was saved as a child about seven years old um, because basically the Holy Spirit convicted me um, by God's grace revealed to me that my good works were not enough to save me. And and I know that sounds heavy for a seven-year-old, but it's true. I I relied very heavily on who I was, the fact that I was a good kid, the fact that I felt like I was better than other kids. Um, But when that was revealed to me, I I was broken by the Spirit and... um, I realized I needed something even if I couldn't articulate what I needed. <clears throat> so I called my father into the room um, one night, and uh, he led me to the Lord. He helped me pray the prayer and um, been committed to following Jesus ever since. And, and in that process, I uh, had some really good people in my life, my father included, both my parents really, um, keeping me committed to church. Um, I had some pastors along the way that discipled me and raised me up. So that by the time I graduated high school, I had experienced... Um, church leadership, maybe in a deeper way than some other people that had come through, and um, was kind of being pushed in that direction, Um, not just by the people in my life, but really by the Lord. Um, So when I went to college, even though I I tried something like a marine biology degree, that didn't, I I fell away from that after one semester, you know, Um, and then went for a psychology and religion degree, um, because I I really felt like the ministry was where I was headed, and that felt uh, applicable for that. Graduated college. Um, which I attended, by the way, with my middle school and high school sweetheart. She became my wife two weeks after we graduated. Middle school? Oh, yeah. All the way back to seventh grade as well. Oh, my. Yeah. We were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend in seventh and eighth grade, whatever that meant. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so we graduated and got married two weeks later and uh, moved up to seminary, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Went to school there for a year, but really just felt like... So you left seminary. Yeah, so we decided um, to get into full-time ministry. Uh, we just felt like the Lord was leading us to kind of use this that, that time of being young to dive into some student ministry, which I had felt pretty strongly called to. So I took my first full-time ministry job, worked in Thompson, Georgia for six years, um, and then was fortunate to receive the opportunity to work here at First Baptist Covington in 2011, I think is when I came on here, and... Um, that was, I mean, that was a whole act of God in itself. Just the, the truth is I had applied for the job. Um, my resume was thrown in the trash. I had forgotten that I had already applied, so I sent it again, and it got a second look, and things moved forward. And against all odds, they hired me um, in my inexperience. <laughs> and um, loved serving here at First Baptist um, for seven years. Uh, And during that time, towards the end, began to complete my seminary degree online. And as I was completing that, I was taking some church planting classes, some evangelism classes. And that was when the Spirit really just began to um, convince my wife and I that there was was something coming next. That we were being, that all that has happened in our ministry lives, the ups and downs, the pros, the cons, 
all of it was preparing us for something else. And, and honestly, that's the truth that, that we had understood in our lives in the past. But um, my encouragement to any young people um, thinking about joining in on the ministry or in the midst of ministry, um, the, the longer you serve, the greater the perspective you get that God is using and utilizing the ups and downs of your life for preparation for greater, greater things in your life. Um, <clears throat> not necessarily higher achieving things, certainly not higher earning things, um, but greater things. Like there's a work that's happening in your life and that, that kind of eternal perspective begins to grow the more that you, the longer that you serve the Lord. Um, so we felt like I was leading us to plant a church. So 2017, early January-ish, began to look into what partnering with the North American Mission Board would be like, um, what the sending process would look like for First Baptist Covington, really just kind of dipping our toes in the water. And uh, we began to look at different send cities that North American Mission Board focuses on where they want to send missionaries to reach people. And uh, just for whatever reason, I, I believe by God's providence, we began to hone in on Denver. Denver stands as uh, the fourth most lost city, meaning that they have the fourth highest population of people who associate themselves as religious nuns or non-religiously affiliated. Um, but not only that, it had a growing population uh, of people from around the world and also from the West that are kind of congregating in that area, um, people that had never heard the gospel before. And in addition to that, there's the, the truth that the gospel has never had a cultural foothold there. Uh, in, in a similar way that is true for most of the West, but even in the West, as far as California, there have been revivals that have taken place that have spawned churches that have had longevity. Um, that's just never been the case on the Front Range um, in the Denver area. So culturally, church is not really an assumption by anybody. In fact, by a lot of means, they, they register as pre-Christian instead of post-Christian. There's just a lack of knowledge of the gospel. So we were stirred by that and began the process of looking into what would it look like if we were to plant a church in Denver. So the North American Mission Board helped us to um, kind of figure out where it is that we would fit. So we went on a vision tour where we got the broad view of their strategy and their work that they're trying to do um, across all of Denver. They kind of tour us through the, the inner city, the, the donut that they call it a little further out, and then the suburbs and outside the donut. Um, to kind of help us figure out what those areas are like and where we might fit, where culturally we could be relevant to the population, all those sorts of things. Um, so we did a visit in April of 2017 and then began the pre-assessment process. One of the things that NAM has done over the past 10 years is really beef up their assessment process. And that's really healthy because you don't, it's not healthy to just send out anybody that says I want to plant a church wherever they want to go. We want to make sure that there's a high success rate. So by upping the assessment, they've, um, they've upped their success rate, what used to be like a 10 to 20% success rate for church plants to more like an 80 to 85% success rate for churches, which is that's pretty incredible. So through the assessments, they're kind of looking for specific wired people right. that can accomplish a certain mission. Yeah, and the hard part with some of those assessment questions, if, if anybody listening ever gets that far, is uh, y you feel like sometimes you know the answer that they're looking for but you have to be honest with what your actual answer is. And that's going to be the most helpful for you because it's not about judging whether or not you can plant a church. It's about judging um, your readiness to plant in a realistic world. So just because you score low in a particular area 
it doesn't mean that's something that's bad about you. It's just something that you need to be aware of and be willing to improve upon. So I think I, my initial um, my initial church planting readiness score on the first very short survey, uh, it wasn't low, but it wasn't high. You know, somewhere kind of in the mid range. So it's like, well, I, I know there are parts of me that, that could be more ready for this church planting endeavor. And then there, there came, comes the second set of um, assessment questions, which is basically um, four or five long surveys about everything about your life, your integrity, your entrepre- entrepreneurial attitude, um, your leadership skills, your marriage. They do a, a whole marriage segment that they then, they then lead you through as kind of like a counseling session. Um, all these sorts of things they lead you through. And then you have to send a survey about you that I think is like 200 questions long to, I don't know, like six people that from different areas of your life that have to answer 200 questions about you. And your wife has to do the same thing. <laughs> so basically what they're trying to determine with that is um, the way you answered about yourself, does that match up with how other people actually see you? Um, so that, that, that's all very helpful stuff. If you're willing to dive deep into your own personal character and, and be really transparent and, or at least have those things opened up for you, it's a healthy process. So we did that um, along the summer of 2017. We kind of finished that up, I think, about September. <clears throat> we made an, another visit to Denver in October where we tried to become more specific about where God might want us to plant. So we've been praying a lot leading up to that, and even looking at maps and populations and demographics and all those sorts of things, um, trying to figure out where we should be. Um, And then we had a particular place in mind. We were like, this place called Longmont, by the the Googling and the information that we had, this felt like that's probably going to be the place for us. It's close to the city, but it had its own sort of town identity, which is a, a kind of scene that we really operate well in. We like a place that is its own a community that can come together in particular places. Uh, so we're like, I think it's going to be Longmont. We had some other places on our list that we wanted to visit. And um, so we ended up bumping up the Longmont visit a little bit early. I think we went the evening before we were supposed to go because I was just so eager to see this place and to feel, you know, the affirmation of, of God that this is where we're supposed to go. And we went up there and we drove around and talked to some people and got a feel for the area, and it just, it wasn't it. It was not the place. And it's hard to explain how that is, but the Spirit sometimes just kind of speaks through your own feelings, right? There, there's this guidance that happens, and there was, a, there was a gut feeling that that wasn't the right place. And uh, honestly, after, after that evening, I was kind of discouraged because I was like, if, if that wasn't the place, then, then I don't know what we're going to do, even though we had other places on our list. So the next day... Um, we went and visited some other places and were toured around um, Parker and Lone Tree and Centennial, these places kind of south of the city. Um, and, you know, it was not our best day because my wife got altitude sickness that day. And um, a NAM representative was giving us the tour, and uh, she was sitting in the back of his truck, and she said she, she just remembers like feeling so sick. She w- there was a cardboard box that there, back there that she was thinking to herself, is it going to be bad if I vomit into this box in the back of this stranger's <laughs> truck, you know? It was just a bad situation. Um, so I had really liked the area, but she had been very sick and couldn't really remember what she saw. So we ended up 
visiting again, even though it was kind of a far drive from where we were, we visited again the next morning, which was a Sunday morning, um, to Parker specifically. And they do a farmer's market downtown in Parker on Sundays, um, which is, you know, a sign of the culture. Nobody really thinks twice about having a huge all-day obligation on a Sunday. Um, so we were walking around the farmer's market, talking to people about stuff, maybe even bringing up things about church and the gospel and just kind of getting a feel for those things. And it just felt like this was the place. There was that spiritual affirmation that we could feel. Um, so that, that's, that's what we had gone for. That's what we wanted. So in October of 2017, yeah, 2017, <laughs> um, we had decided that Parker was the place. In the meantime, we'd been continuing the conversation with First Baptist Covington about what sending would look like. Um, Cody and I went to the sending church conference with Nam to kind of get a better feel for that and really just began to think through what would transition look like, how would the church uh, be a part of this and support it. And some of that stuff is still new for us, and, and we're fine with that. Like, this is uncharted territory for First Baptist. Um, but there's no better way to really engage your people in mission than to take missional risk, you know. That was something I was willing to do. Um, so in May of 2018, we were able to announce to the church publicly that we were going to be sent as missionaries to plant a church in Parker. And uh, by the end of July, we were, we were gone. So it, it really was. I mean, even hearing the story of the process, it was like a two, two and a half year long yeah. process of thinking and praying to, to this end of planting a church somewhere. Right, right. And it, I think that's one of the things that, has, that NAM has helped to strengthen. It's not that they intentionally want to slow people down from following God's will. That's not really the point. The point is to lengthen the runway to give the Spirit time to work in a person's heart. Yeah. Um, you'll, if anybody reads church planting books or takes church planting classes, you'll notice pretty quickly that the first half of every church planting book is basically trying to talk you out of it. And <laughs> in no way is the North American Mission Board ever trying to talk anybody out of it, but they do want to be um, really sure that you're sure that this is what God is calling you to do and not maybe a passing whim in your own mind and spirit. Because obviously we see missional things all the time that it's like, oh, I'd really like to be engaged in that, but that might not be the healthiest thing for you to do in the long term. So a long runway ultimately is healthier for, for everybody, healthy for the whole process. For sure. So tell us a little bit about Aspen Grove. What's the vision? What's the mission? Yeah, so over the last six or seven months in Colorado, as we've lived there, been completing um, SEND network training. And a big part of that is developing our mission and vision. Um, we didn't come up with the name Aspen Grove Church until January of this year. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the name actually sprung from the mission and vision. So we, we landed on, uh, because we live in a community that's heavy with families and heavy with people that while their lives may be fairly content in many um, outward ways, there's, there's more of a deep hurt and a lack of spiritual transformation. There are people that may even attend church but they usually do so once or twice a month at the most, and it's really just a peripheral part of their lives. So to address that, um, we want the mission of our church to be to lead people to growth and transformation in Christ. We don't want it to be a, a small add-on to kind of complete your already almost perfect life. We want this to be something that not only grows you, but transforms you. So for, for us, we want to lead people to taking steps towards growth. So in some ways, even though we believe in the sovereignty of God and all things that people do, we believe that some people have to take steps towards that growth. So growth is kind of the things that we expect people to do. What are we asking you to do if you're going to be involved in our church? 
but then the result of those steps is that God reaches in and transforms. So that's why we say we want to lead people to growth and transformation in Christ. There's, there's a man element where we're trying to do something, but there's this overpowering God element that sweeps in and transforms people's lives. Now, that leads us to the, the title of Aspen Grove. Um, Aspens are native to, are, are in Colorado. Um, you can see them. They're beautiful, especially in the fall. And they're a unique organism in that they're considered the largest living organism on the planet. The biggest Aspen Grove on record numbers about 47,000 trees. And what makes them really unique is that aspens reproduce and grow through their root system. So all these trees are all connected by the same root system that gives life and growth to the grove. <clears throat> so we want to see people growing in rootedness, which then leads to a life of being more reaching and eventually leads to a life of being replicating. So Aspen Grove's church kind of tagline is rooted, reaching, and replicating. So each of those things has four kind of subcategories. What do we mean when we want somebody to be rooted? Well, we want them to be rooted in Bible study. That's a huge part of what we do. The Bible is God's word to us that's transformative for us to learn it and to know it, to study it together. Secondly, we want people to be rooted in prayer. Prayer is a hard thing to do, but it's a, it's a spiritual practice that is essential for the Christian life. That's digging your roots down deeper. We want people to be rooted in biblical community um, because doing this together is something that's hugely important to us. We, you don't grow in Christ in a vacuum. And thirdly, we want people to be rooted in worship. Worship is an outward expression of an inward change, and we want people to be doing that frequently, not even alone, but with, with their families and with the body of Christ together. So that's how we want people to be rooted. Now, we believe that as people are rooted, the, the, the result is that we'll see an increase in their reaching. So we want people to be reaching through several things. First, we want to see people reaching through evangelism. Being able to articulate and share the gospel with somebody is essential to what we do as a church plant. And we want that to be an expectation for all believers, that if Jesus has changed your life, you're able to share how that change has happened and express um, how Jesus has made a difference in your life to other people. Secondly, we want people to be reaching through generosity, so we want people to be giving sacrificially of what they have to the good of the mission of the church because we believe biblically that's what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> Thirdly, we want to see people reaching through local um, community service. We want to be essential to the life and restoration of Parker. We want to see and address needs that people have and reach out to meet those needs because that's part of how we have been transformed. And fourthly, we want people to be reaching through missions participation. So far, this is not up on our radar yet because we're a very young church plant, but eventually we want to be active in not only giving to missions, but engaging people in missions globally. So locally in Parker, but also globally around the world. Then the, the result of seeing that transformation being reaching is that we will be replicating. This is what the, the biblical command is, right? So the, the Bible gives us the great command to love other people. That's part of reaching, right? It gives us the great commission, which is to go and make disciples. Um, and then it gives us the, um, the great requirement, which is to do justice. And all this happens through reaching and then replicating. So we expect people to be replicating through um, individual discipleship. So we want to see people engaging and being discipled by other people. And then as they graduate from that discipleship process, immediately taking on a disciple themselves. Um, secondly, 
we believe in family discipleship. Remember, we have a, a big problem with families that are just, they've never prayed together, they've never sung together, they've never studied the Bible together. So we build into every meeting that we do an element of family discipleship because that's a big part of who we are. Thirdly, we want to see people replicating through uh, leadership training. Eventually, we're going to lead people to this newly developed North American Mission Board leadership pipeline as a really easy access way to train up leaders. And as we have leaders, it's an expectation for every leader of every ministry area to take on an apprentice to train to replace themselves because every leadership position should be replaceable and replicatable. And then lastly, we want to be replicating through church planting. We want to be a church that plants more churches. And if we don't say that from the beginning, um, churches that don't plant in the first five years will likely never plant a church. So we're building it in early to who we are. Perfect. I'm glad you shared all that with us. It's even helpful for me to hear all of that. Um, so even as you think about the next year, what's the next year have in store? What's the next year look like? Yeah, um, it's a little <laughs> bit of a moving target sometimes. One of the biggest lessons we've learned in church planning these last seven months is that um, things don't always happen by our schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are setbacks and delays, and that, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But um, we do have a little bit of a plan. So we're, we're meeting right now on Sunday nights as a home Bible study with families. We're going to continue that as consistently as possible um, all the way through the summer. Um, and in addition to that, we have um, bi-monthly service projects and bi-monthly family outings. So every other month we'll interrupt our Sunday evening schedule to just do something together as a church body with our kids, making a memory, having fun together. We did bowling night a couple weeks ago. It was really fun. Um, and then um, every other month we'll also maybe not interrupt the schedule, but we'll build in an opportunity for people to serve locally. So we've got some local missions projects. I've been... Um, or we have provided lunch for some teachers at a school. Um, one of our mission teams helps us, helped us to build some playground equipment for that school. We um, will provide meals for first responders. I've been teaching middle schoolers about social media safety just because that's a thing that I've done in the past. Um, so we're finding ways to serve and be vital to our community, even on a small scale right now. Um, so we're going to keep doing those things all the way throughout the summer. But the goal is that by the time school starts back, we want to be... Um, meeting in a space outside my home. Um, we're going to outgrow it, um, God willing, fairly soon. And doing it in our home is, um, there's a good degree of hospitality there, but that's not something that people are always very comfortable with. In fact, when we, we invite people and say that we're, we're doing a Bible study in our home, sometimes it just raises eyebrows because it's something that people don't do regularly. They, that's not how they think of gathering together as a church. So, we're sensitive to that and also want to see the opportunity for more growth. So by the time school starts back, we want to be meeting in a different space. Um, I wouldn't call that a launch by any means. We're just going to be changing our gathering to accommodate more people. Um, and then, God willing, sometime in 2020, um, either late winter or spring, we would like to see the public launch of um, Sunday services. But those may take place at night as well if that serves our people well. Perfect. So... Even as you think about the next year, the continued really growth of Aspen Grove, how can we as First Baptist continue to pray and partner with you? Yeah, um, First Baptist partnership is super important to us. Um, it's been so encouraging to have a church that prays for us regularly. So pray for my spiritual encouragement and learning and growth. Do the same for my wife. Um, church planting can be very taxing personally. Um, so pray that God grows and transforms us as we seek to lead other people to growth and transformation. That's a big deal. 
Um, but pray for our people. Pray for the four or five families that are joining us on Sunday nights, that they're continuing to, to see transformation through the process that we're putting forth. Uh, for a lot of them, this is brand new. Like I said, they, they've never discipled their kids before. So pray that these people will see results and transformation in their own families so that they can then um, share that with other people and invite other people into the process. Um, so yeah, pray for our, our, our souls and for our team, and, um, and that would be the most helpful, yeah. Awesome. Well, Matt, I want to thank you for being with me today and being able to hop on a podcast on yeah. short notice. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, glad you're here. And as always, friends, the Foundry is meant to be a fountain of resources for you as you seek to grow more in your walk with Jesus. Our prayer is that through our podcast, through articles, tools, and other resources we offer, that you would be, able, would be more refined to the image of Jesus Christ and experience more of the glory of God. Happy